that particular psalm was a psalm that I memorized with the guy that was the best man of my in my wedding. Didn't memorize the whole psalm, but memorized much of it when I was in college. And um, that whole psalm deals with one word, Bible. It deals with our topic this morning. As you know, or as perhaps you remember, uh, we started a new series last week. It's entitled Wonderful Words. And last week, we started with just the word revelation. And we looked at how God revealed himself. We looked at how he did it through nature, that the heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19. And then we also looked at about how God used special revelation to reveal himself. And part of special revelation would be the scriptures. And our one word this morning is the word Bible. You hold in your hand either a printed copy of your Bible or an electronic copy of your Bible. And we're going to see, I trust, the scriptures in a way that perhaps you've never understood them before. The title of my message this morning is From Cover to Cover. I have preached this sermon probably two other times over the last 13 years. This message is not entirely uh, my knowledge. There's a book in my library. It's called The Unfolding Drama of Redemption. It's probably about 1,500 pages long. It's almost the thickest. I think it's the second thickest uh, book in my library. It's almost six inches thick. That book was written by a Baptist pastor, I believe in the 1800s, named Graham Scroggy. Graham Scroggy wrote a book about 1,500 pages from Genesis to Revelation, and this sermon is about a 25-30 minute attempt to summarize that whole book. Um, One of a mentors of mine took that book and condensed it, and much of that information will be the information that we will look at the word Bible. Do you realize that the Bible that you hold in your hand was written over a 1,500-year time period by authors from all types of backgrounds, all different occupations, but it's, it's, it's collective into one, and we call that the Bible. I think it was this past week, I sent out uh, a link, I'm, I'm thinking in my old age, Mary Jones and her Bible, and I told you to kind of take a look at about that, about how much we take for granted our Bible that we have in our hands. But I want you to consider the Bible, and, and I want to look at it from cover to cover. Do you know in the very beginning that as God began to create things, he said, it is good. And folks, there are so many things in Scripture, and I'm not even talking about the truths and the principles and the promises and the proclamation of of who God is that's wonderful. 
But there's all types of writings. And I'm not an English person, which you probably know. I, I wish I was stronger in my English. But there are all types of things that... There, there's something that's called a chiastic structure that it just is written there and you don't even know it's there. But, but God is like weaving words and poetry in a way that we just pass over it and we don't even understand that God is a God of order. And when you see how he's put together his book, the book, the Bible, that we hold in our hands this morning... Honestly, it's all humility that we bow down and say, Lord, thank you for communicating the truth to us. He's a God of order. He said that all things should be done decently in order. And I believe as we look at the Bible, as we look at an overview of the Bible, we will stand back and see that he truly did do all things in order. The story is one. It begins with time, and it ends in eternity. It begins in a beautiful garden, and it ends in a beautiful city. The Bible is a book of perfect progress. It begins with chaos, and it ends with perfection. It begins with the creation of life, and it ends with the, per- 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 the continuation of life. I'm not going to try that. It begins with the introduction of sin, and it ends with the destruction of sin. No more heartache, no more tears, no more sin. As we think about these thoughts, it's amazing that there are people who will just look at this book and And instead of allowing this book to evaluate their heart, to discern the intents of their heart, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, they oversee the book and they are the critics over what God says. There are those that will go to the Bible and they'll only see the Bible as a bunch of moral stories, positive stories, and there's no authority in it they would say. But as followers of Christ, we know that God's word has authority and that God has spoken. And we ought to be very thankful that he has communicated truth to us. So often, and whether as a church, Sunday school teachers, or as parents, we can teach the Bible in such a way, or we can have people memorize a verse here and there but they never see how it all fits together. There's a great expositor of the scriptures. His name is G. Campbell Morgan. He said, if, if, if we're to teach the Bible, we ought to teach the Bible like we teach geography. He says, if you were to teach geography, you would start by the major land masses, the continents. Then you would look at the countries. Then you would look at the major mountains. Then the oceans. And then that you would funnel down to the cities and the roads. And many times we make sure that people understand the names of the cities, but they don't even know what country they're in. And it's my purpose this morning to help you understand the Bible from cover to cover. Graham has said this about the Bible. 
The New Testament is contained in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is explained in the New Testament. The New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. The Old Testament anticipates the New Testament. The New Testament authenticates the Old Testament. The Old Testament foreshadows the New Testament. The New Testament fulfills the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were always seeking. In the New Testament, they were able to find. In the Old Testament predicts a person. The New Testament presents that person. And as you know that this morning, that the, that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would like to help you understand the Bible in its overview. And um, you, you might want to just even look in the beginning of the contents of your Bible. There is what we call the Old Testament, and we have what? What's the next one? The New Testament, right? There's the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? We understand that, but let's break these down and let's see the Bible from cover to cover. First of all, we have in the Old Testament, we have the first five books of the Bible and they are called the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch was written by Moses. Can I say this, that if you would just believe the first few words of the Bible, the rest is easy to come by. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's really nothing more difficult to understand than once we accept and understand that, it's all God. He's the one who's created everything. As you look at the Pentateuch, as you look at the first five books of the Bible, we're going to see the content is really two things. It's going to talk about laws and it's going to talk about sacrifices. And if you scanned the Old Testament, you're going to find out that there's 613 laws in, in uh, the Old Testament. 613. 248 of them are positive and 365 of them are negative. Sounds like a parent. A lot more negative instruction than the positive instruction. But there's all these laws. And when you read the laws, when you read the Pentateuch, you know what you're going to find out about these laws? Is you're not going to be able to keep them. They're beyond us. And you might say, well, I can keep one. Well, how about the other 612? And those laws show us that we don't measure up. And because we don't measure up, then, then there's sacrifices. And there's five major sacrifices that you're going to find out in the Pentateuch. And those five major sacrifices, you know what every one of them contains? A blood sacrifice. That a sacrifice is going to need to be made because we break God's law. And what we find out in the Pentateuch is the the lack of the holiness of man. That we have all these laws and we have all these sacrifices because we don't measure up. We can't keep God's commandments, His law. 
And it shows that we need a perfect priest. We need a perfect priest to offer a perfect sacrifice because we are sinful. You think about the law, you think about the Old Testament. Why would we have the law? You know, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 3, in verse 24, it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. When we look at the law and all the law that God gives us, we understand we don't measure up and we need something more because we can't fulfill God's commandments. And what we learn in the Pentateuch is we need a perfect priest that will offer that perfect sacrifice because we are sinful people. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, speaking about the sacrifices. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. We need someone to offer a perfect sacrifice. The Pentateuch is looking toward someone in John chapter 1 and verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. The Pentateuch. Then we get to what is called the historical sections in our Bible. The historical sections. And what's interesting there, that really goes from Joshua through Esther. And when you think about Joshua, do you think of exciting days or do you think of dull days? Exciting Yes or no? Exciting days, right? Conquering days, victorious days. Joshua, but how about judges? Good days or bad days? And what you're going to find out throughout this area, it's really a matter of leadership. You you have conquest and you have victory in Joshua. Yeah, this is good. Joshua is a godly leader. Judges, every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And there's things that we've studied in the past throughout our sermon series that it's bad days in the book of Judges. And you're going to find out here that there needs to be a perfect leader, one that will not fail us through death or depravity. You have people that are mentioned throughout this section, leaders. Whether it's Joshua, Saul, who had no heart for God. You have David, who had a heart for God, but he fell into sin. You had Solomon, his son, that the Bible says he only loved two things. He loved foreign women. He loved women who's, who, who took his heart away from God, but the Bible says that he also loved God. The time of leadership that's needed in a historical section. Leadership makes a difference. Moses and Joshua brought the people out of captivity and the successors of David brought God's people right back into captivity. And really what we see here is that we need a perfect leader who will never fail us through death or depravity. And we have such a leader, one that will never fail us. He will never forsake us. He'll never let us down. And that leader is Jesus Christ, a perfect king. I would also put many of the poetical books in your Bible underneath this section as well because they were written by these type of men. The next section we have is the prophets. 
And in the prophets, what you're going to find out is that there are five major prophets and there are 12 minor prophets. Major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel and Daniel. And what you're going to find out here is that you're going to have men of God who are proclaiming and making predictions and proclaiming the truth about God. And and they're proclaiming truth to the people of God. And these men were loyal people. They proclaimed the truth. But you know, no matter how sincere they were, no matter how much of a heart they had, no matter how, how much truth they proclaimed, that it always didn't reach the heart of those who listened. And there are times where God's people listened, and then there are times where they did not listen, that they refused to, to listen to the proclamation of truth from these prophets. Second Chronicles 36 gives us a good picture of the response of the people. Second, Second Chronicles 36, verses 14 through 16, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But these people, it says, they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy, until there was no more healing. And these men, many of them who gave their lives, some were sawn asunder, loved the Lord, proclaimed the truth. But guess what? They didn't reach the heart of the people. And this passage of Scripture, or these, this uh, portion of Scripture, shows us that we need a perfect prophet who will reach the heart of God's people, proclaim the truth. If you have your Bibles, the very last book in the Old Testament. Look at that. By the way, I forgot to mention Ruth. Ruth was uh, someone who's living a faithful life in unfaithful times. But God was working in the midst of that time. The last verse in our Old Testament. I'll start with verse 4 and I'll end with verse 6. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Do you realize the last word in the Old Testament? is the word curse. Griff, Griffith Thomas said this, that the Old Testament is a book of unfulfilled prophecies and unexplained ceremonies and therefore unfulfilled and unsatisfied longings if we just stopped there. And what we find out as we look in the, the Old Testament, we look at the different breakdowns of, of the Pentateuch or the historical section or the prophets 
is that we long for a perfect priest to offer a perfect sacrifice. We long and we need a perfect king who will not fail us through death or depravity. And we long for a prophet to reach the heart of people. 700 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And truth will be proclaimed in the New Testament. The Old Testament. We have the Pentateuch. We have the historical section. We have the poetical section. We have the the prophets. And then we look over into the New Testament. You have the New Testament consists of 27 books. 66 total throughout Scripture. 39 in the Old Testament. 27 in the New Testament. And really, if you just open up your Bible and you just get to Matthew, and you have to understand what I just said, that there's 700 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament. 700 years. That's a long time of silence from heaven. But then God speaks in the New Testament. What you have in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, it's called the Gospels. The Gospels mean... What's the word? What does it mean? It means the what? The good news. Folks, this is the good news. And what we're going to find out is that the good news is proclaimed in the Gospels, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And what you find out is that these Gospels, they're going to begin to introduce you to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Dwight Pentecost literally wrote a book, The Person and the Work of Jesus Christ. And the Gospels will talk about who Jesus is and what he did. It's the introduction to the person and the work of Jesus. So if you want to know the introduction and the work of Jesus Christ, it's the Gospels. And you'll find all about him. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 1, This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's the first verse in Matthew chapter 1. It's the introduction of who Jesus Christ is. He is a person. He is the son of David, he is the son of Abraham. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. The gospels are going to introduce you to Jesus and who he is. John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The introduction of the person of Christ. We see that in the Gospels. And even John, in John's Gospel, he concludes in John chapter 20 and verse 31... All of the things that he wrote in John's gospel, these things have I written unto you that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing you might have eternal life through his name. The gospels are introducing you to who Jesus is. Then we have the book of Acts. It's really 
Some would say it's history or his story. The Lord said in the Gospels that he would build his church. And you know what Acts does? Acts tells you how he is going to build his church. It's a, it's a history of, of the Lord building his church throughout the world. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 of how people were sent out all over the world proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Acts is the proclamation of the person and the work of Christ. Not only were we introduced to who he was in the gospels, but then we see in the book of Acts that Christ is proclaimed throughout the world. The truth was told throughout the world, and that he, even in that day, used persecution in Acts chapter 8, one verse, verse 1, to send the gospel out to the world. The proclamation of the person and work of Christ. We get to the epistles. So you have the introduction of who Christ is, you have the proclamation of who Christ was, and then you have the epistles, which are 13 epistles. And the epistles were written to churches or to people who oversaw churches. And you're going to get a lot of doctrine in there, and it's going to be the explanation of the person and the work of Christ. It's going to explain some of the things that, were, that happened in Acts, or it's going to explain more so what was in the Gospels. It's the explanation of the person and the work of Christ. And throughout these 13 or excuse me, 21 epistles, 13 of them written by Paul. Do you know that not one of them was written to a lost person? They were written to the church. Written to equip and to edify and to instruct God's people. To explain who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing. The epistles. If you go to the book of Romans, it's, it's about salvation. There's times where we sit down and we talk to someone about salvation and we take them through what's called the Romans, what? Romans Road, because it's talking about salvation. And we see salvation throughout the epistles, even to the point that we need to defend the truth of salvation. We need to take earnest heed to proclaim the truth about the gospel. Because people will creep in unaware, unsuspecting, and try to twist the truth of the gospel. We're to contend for truth. The primary function of the epistles is the interpretation of the person in the work of Christ. We have the introduction to the person in the work of Christ. We have the proclamation We have the explanation, the interpretation of who Christ is and what he's doing. And then we get to the book of Revelation. What you find out is that the primary purpose of Revelation is the consummation of the person and the work of Christ in human history as we know it. The last book, the final story, really... The story that tells us that we are, as God's people, on the winning side. What's going to happen in the end? The consummation of it all. It was written about Jesus, and he is the one who is showing the things to come. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. 
He is the subject and he is the object of the book. He's the one who's telling the story, but it's about himself, about what he will do to bring the world to, to the end. My brother and my sister this morning, I will say to you that from cover to cover, we see that God is at work. That he truly is a God of order. Bringing together the entire Bible. Truth proclaimed in the Old Testament that we are longing and looking for someone who will deal with our sin. And the New Testament that it's, he's revealed, it's Jesus Christ, the one who takes away our sins. The one who took um, our penalty on the cross. The one who suffered death and hell for us. Who conquered sin, death, and hell when he says, to Telestai, it's finished. I've conquered it. And he is the one who will, in a sense, close the book to human history on earth as we know it. And for those who know the Lord, we will be forever with the Lord. And heaven isn't heaven just because we, we can sit back and, and everything's perfect. We can see our loved ones who've gone on before. We can say, man, I'm glad things are great. No more sin. But you know what, what makes heaven heaven? is Jesus. As I've been challenging our men on Wednesday night, the thing that will help us most in our temptations and our thoughts, it's not our going around saying, say no to sin, say no to sin, say no to sin, and just, just focusing so much on our sin. But you know what helps us out? Is focusing on our relationship with Jesus. That He loves us and He cares for us and He's there. And when we get to heaven, we'll always be with the Lord forever. The whole Bible is about a person, and that's Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is either a preparation for, which would be the Old Testament, or the manifestation of Christ, which is the New Testament. The Bible says, or Jesus says, search the Scriptures. For they testify of me. And I wonder this morning, do you know Jesus? To those who know the Lord, folks, when we look at the scriptures, everything he did in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3 of creation, it was all good. And I believe for all eternity, even though things look messed up right now, we're going to sit back and we're going to say, he did all things well. I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I don't know the struggles that you're having. But God is greater than anything that's going on in your heart and your life right now. He's a whole lot more organized than you can ever imagine. He's a whole lot more aware of what's going on in your life than you can ever imagine. Because in eternity past... He had a plan to communicate with us, and he gave us his word. And the question I would have as well is, what are you doing as spending time with Jesus? How often are you opening his word? How often are you pleading for him to speak to your heart? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
Are we in love with the Lord? And we not just the book, but are we in love with the one who wrote this book, who communicated truth to us? Are we willing to follow and obey and serve and adore the one who gave us this? And if there's any question in your heart and your life this morning about who he is, we'd love to share with you the good news of Christ and how you can have the assurance of your salvation. If there's any question in your heart and anguish in your soul about what God's doing in your life, my friend, he's organized. He's done it all. It's all in order. And he wants it to be all in order in your heart and your life.